0: Relationship Psych, the podcast, helping you design the relationship you want. With couples therapy costing a pretty penny, Relationship Psych gives you access to couples therapy insights without spending a dime. Tune in for discussions on communication, managing conflict, recovering from infidelity, attachment, and more. I'm your host, Amber Dawson. I'm a psychologist and couples therapist. A few of my favorite things are my husband, grapes, and my adorable little dog Riggs. Simply by listening, you're going to get tools to help you and your partner create a loving and harmonious relationship that can withstand the test of time. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be misconstrued for specific relationship advice. For advice for your specific relationship, seek out a local couples therapist in your area.
1: Welcome back to Relationships, the podcast. Today we have Alexandra Schilling, who is a life coach and relationship coach who's been with her husband now for about 15 years. They almost broke up twice in the early stages of their relationship. I can relate to that with my husband. And she's realized how, act, how little we're actually taught about how to build healthy, solid partnerships. And that's realization I too came to, especially after getting divorced after my first marriage. I didn't see that one coming and realized, holy, we're not taught a lot. She has struggled with some of the same challenges as her clients, feeling incompatible, doubts, miscommunication, recurring conflict attraction to others, long distance. And she's created a mission to create tools to help people overcome those challenges. And like many of my amazing guests, we connected on Instagram where you can find a lot of her tools, Toolbox for Love. You can find our Instagram handle at Toolbox for Love, where she shares educational and relationship content and a bunch of resources. So welcome to the show. Super excited to have you. And today we are going to talk about questions to ask yourself if you're not sure if this is the relationship for you. So
2: welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super, super, super excited.
1: My pleasure. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about, you know, questions to ask yourself if this is for you. And you mentioned earlier on in the relationship with your husband, you guys almost broke up a few times. So can you take us through 15 years ago? What was going on? What were some of the questions, concerns? What was going on for you that you were doubting this? And then how did you get to a place where you're married?
2: Yeah, that's kind of one of the roughest periods we've gone through in the early stages of our relationship. Um, Two, three years into our relationship, that's where I had the biggest doubts, partly because we had differences, partly because it just felt like we weren't on the same page. We weren't able to communicate about the important stuff. I felt like we were taking each other for granted every time I would bring something up. And I know this was the same for him when we spoke about it years later, we didn't necessarily take it seriously, or we didn't know how to handle it. Things just blew up or we shut down. So we kind of thought that was the end. And I remember calling him up one day and going, look, um, this isn't working. I'm just so resentful, so frustrated. I feel like this isn't going anywhere. I feel like my needs are not being met. I feel like we can't communicate. And so basically, what's the point of continuing, right? I think I might be better off with someone else. And at the time, I did have someone else in mind, to be very honest, because my needs were just not met in the relationship. And so now I've learned how important it is to have your needs met. And I'll go into questions in a second. But that's how, you know, it kind of started is unmet needs, miscommunication that then led to the doubts. Um, That was part that was a big part of the problem, let's say that was going on.
1: Oh, that sounds like such a hard conversation to be having when you're having serious doubts like that, considering breaking up. And it sounds like you had the awareness that many people don't have, that there is unmet needs leading to the doubts. Did that, did you have that awareness in real time or did that awareness come with some hindsight?
2: I was going to say, I actually didn't have that. I was going to correct you because I was like, I did not have that wisdom at the time, to be very honest. I just, saw the consequence of it. So I was like, I am attracted to someone else. Um, and I think this person is better for me. And when we decided to give it another chance and worked on things, that's where I was like, oh, actually now that we've clarified our love languages or our needs, now that we've learned how to communicate better because I'm reading a few things, I'm joining some programs, I'm you know seeking that support. Now I'm like, oh, this is why I was so frustrated and I felt like he was not the right person and therefore thought that someone else would be better for me. So yeah, that's a really good question.
1: Mm, I relate to that a lot in the early stages with my husband before we were married, you know, not recognizing my needs weren't met, but I would be having these big reactions to things going on or we'd be having fights or But underneath all of that, in hindsight, was unmet needs, and we were long distance for a few years. And a lot of my unmet needs were about like connection and spending time together, and um, him being responsive and available. And so he would do something like forget to call me, and I would be like, "You're not for me." What what my need was under that was connection, time together, to feel important, and because our only mode of communication was the phone and it was a few years ago now. So we use Skype to connect virtually, not uh, FaceTime, it wasn't quite as easy. I mean, maybe we could have, I don't know, but it wasn't as popular. Um, but I just remember my reaction more so than I remember being aware of what the needs were. With the hindsight, I can now remember, I can now think about what were my needs, but that's that's certainly challenging to do. So you got this other person, you're kind of interested, you have this conversation, How? do you make the decision to work on things or what happens next that you remain in a relationship instead of ending things?
2: So I'll go through a series of questions, but before that, to kind of explain what happened with us, if that resonates with anyone who's listening, what really made me decide to stay, cause I was the one calling um, him and what really made me decide to stay was literally when I said, all right, so I think, you know, this is not for me. I'm ready to leave. And he went, all right, well, I'm not ready to stay friends. Cause I was like, let's stay friends. Let's reconnect. And I think him setting that very clear boundary of what that meant to break up was kind of that question that I had to ask myself, like, am I ready to never, ever have contact with him again? And I know this seems maybe harsh for some people, but it's exactly what I needed at the time because I was like, could this be something that I am actually willing to work on if he's willing to do it? So that's where we then came to an agreement, like if we're going to make it work, we both need to be putting in the effort. We both need to be willing to do that because we can't force each other to do that. And here are the things that we want to start with. And again, I wish I'd had these questions that I'm going to share today And all of the tools and resources and skills that I now have. But at the time, it was like, okay, what's the first thing that needs to be improved? All right, maybe we need to be more open with each other when things are bothering us. Instead of balling things up or getting defensive, shutting down. Maybe the second thing is remembering that, yeah, things can end. So let's maybe appreciate each other more and also be more open when one of us needs to discuss something. Instead of taking each other for granted. So it was like, what are the teeny tiny steps that we can you know, do, um, what do we need to learn? What are things that we can start looking at, seek support if needed? So all of that kind of came in the mix and it was like, what are the next steps? So that, that's kind of the, the big shift that made me realize, do I actually, would I be okay putting this like relationship, um, like not ever having contact with him again, or is there a part of me that still wants to make it work? So
1: Ooh, that's a big question. And that sounds like it would have been a really pivotal moment thinking through like, am I ready to not have this person in my life? That's yeah. a big, it's a big question. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. I was just thinking as you were talking about like some of the little steps and some of the little things, like I would have these big reactions, but the truth was I wasn't willing to not have him in my life. But luckily we were both willing to make some changes because while I wanted more attention, he didn't want my reactions. And so my reactions were just as likely to end our relationship as whatever things he was doing. And so some of his asks of me were learning how to communicate, learning how uh, to present my anger in a way that wasn't so angry, (laughs) like that wasn't so aggressive and hostile, because I was. And I thought I was justified in showing up so angry because of whatever thing he did. But turns out you can be angry and not be aggressive and hostile turns out it actually works way better at getting your message across. If you have someone that's willing to receive that on the other end and like you guys, we had to take both little steps of things we were willing to do to make the relationship work. And that makes me reflect on, you know, someone else I thought I was going to marry the difference there was not both of us were willing to work on things. So, so you can, if you're both not willing to work, it makes it pretty hard.
2: Yeah. For okay. Sure. And, so and now- to that Can I add something to, to what know? you just said? I think to that point, today's questions will be a lot around what are the things that you can ask yourself if you're in the position of like, am I, you know, I'm considering maybe ending this. Is this the right relationship for me? I'm having doubts. And it's assuming that your partner is willing to... You know, put in some effort, that there may be trying things that we might not be seeing. So it's going to assume that, and it's going to be an exercise of self-reflection as well. And self-reflection that just like you said, right, sometimes we don't see our own reactions or we don't think that they necessarily are wrong because we're mad at something. Like, of course, we're going to react a certain way. So these questions are definitely more of like self-reflective questions to empower you and to go, what can I do about this? What can I you know, how can I have clarity, again, assuming that my partner is willing to make it work if I'm willing to make it work. So I love that you mentioned that, because that is so, so, so true. We usually don't see our part in it. And there's a lot that we can influence if we make changes. And that's what I always tell my clients is I did the work first, I sought out the tools first. And people always ask them, like, did you and Dennis grow at the same pace at the same time? Does he join the workshops that you do? Did you do you know couples therapy all of that together and i always go well i first had to walk the talk i needed to first look at what my part in it was that influenced him but that also showed him that i was willing to put in the work so i think it's it's a hard thing to do to kind of go first especially when we're annoyed we're bothered we're anxious we're frustrated we're in doubts but i hope that these questions will really help you gain clarity and feel empowered as to what you can do next and where are the little shifts, what are the little shifts that you can make to influence the relationship in hopefully positive ways?
1: I love the word influence that you're using because we can't change the relationship. We can't force it to be different, but when we change our behavior or we show up differently, we can't influence how things might go. So I'm loving this word. Influence is great. Okay, well, let's get into some of these questions. So what on earth can we begin to ask ourselves? And we're wondering, is this for us?
2: So I'll start with, I guess, these questions when it comes to what needs to happen for the relationship to work. And I'm saying what needs to happen because I'll compare a relationship to a game. We want to know what the rules are in order to be able to succeed at it. I just posted something very similar yesterday. And I said, we don't learn how to create, build, nurture, sustain healthy relationships. We don't learn how to become secure partners, how to become healthy partners. We don't get relationship manuals. We don't learn this in school, certainly not at home for many of us. And society also feeds us messages, sometimes conflicting messages. We see TV shows, movies, all of that, that kind of do form our beliefs and do you know, influence our expectations and so this really requires us to go all right this is a very unique relationship I am unique my partner is unique what's normal to me might not be normal to them even if I think there is a bare minimum even if I think they should know even if I think that if they cared enough they would do certain things yes but you first want to clarify what it is that needs to happen for you to both be able to win at this game and for that, you want to ask yourself, what do I need? What does my partner need? Do I know what my partner needs? Does my partner know what I need? Have I communicated that? Do I know how we both need to feel, you know, what needs to happen for both of us to feel safe, to feel cherished, to feel appreciated, to feel connected, like you said before, that's your need, to feel important. All of those are basic human needs. and There's something so essential about needs, because when needs are being met in a relationship, we don't leave them. And that's kind of setting the rules of our own game. What do we each need? And are we expressing that?
1: Oh, I love this. And I love thinking about that as a game. And. You're you're right. Like we sit down to play other games, we get like a manual or someone explains it to us. We get into relationship and we just assume we know the rules and they're playing by the same rules. But so often when I sit down with couples in conflict and and myself, it's very apparent they're playing by different sets of rules. So no wonder they're not winning at the game because they've not sat down to figure out how do we make that explicit. And how do you be willing to accept the influence of how you think your partner thinks, uh, or how how do you accept the influence of your partner when they have a different set of maybe rules that they think the game should be played by? How do you incorporate both sets of rules? Because I love what you said about you know like TV families. Like a lot of us don't get great models or a lot of information about what sh- what should rules be or what could rules be. We just see different things and we just assume that's how it should go without ever making it explicit. So I'm loving this. And I love the question of what do I need and what do they need? And not assuming that you know what they need. And also I've heard a lot of people say things like, I don't, I don't have any needs. Well, let's just pause a sec. Cause you do. So let's go inward and let's ask yourself, you know, what makes you feel safe, cherished, loved, important? What are those things that make you feel like this is a relationship for you? Sometimes it's easier, you're figuring out like, that's not for me. So then ask yourself the question, okay, that's not for you, then what is? So that's, that's great. I love this idea of the game.
2: Yeah. And I love how you just mentioned also about like, figuring out your own needs. I think, especially from my own experience, I was not aware of my needs. And so I was voicing my complaints and my annoyances and unmet needs, but I wasn't clarifying what I needed because I wasn't even clear on that. Um, That comes from conditioning, from just past experiences, from a bunch of different things. We all bring baggage to our relationships. So that's kind of where I said, you know, I had to start first, had to start first with understanding myself more so I can then express that. Know also how do I want my needs to be met? Like what needs to happen there? Do I try to meet all my needs through my partner? Which was the case for a time. I really tried to, like he was the main source and that was also kind of became unhealthy. And it took me a lot of work to go, all right, well, what are other ways that I can meet my needs? What are ways that I can fill up my own cup? Um, ways that I can maybe meet my needs with friends, with family, do stuff you know outside of the relationship. And that takes self-reflection, awareness, Courage as well, because I know it's not always easy to detach ourselves from 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 that and go, okay, maybe there are other ways to meet our needs. And it's not always comfortable because we're used to doing things a certain way. So that's definitely true. It's like, what do I need? And then, you know, am I expressing that? And am I also meeting my needs in different ways, not just through my partner? Because if it's the case, then I'll continuously be disappointed. And that won't help me feel empowered and confident and grounded in the relationship.
1: Totally. Oh, such powerful questions. And I love how you said, like I was voicing complaints, but you were expressing your needs. And so that's a skill to, it to recognize your complaint and ask yourself, like, what is the need under that? Because when we can express to our partner our need, our wish, our desire, our longing, that's how usually we get a recipe for how to fulfill that emerges. But when we just express the complaint, it is more challenging for our partner to figure out, well, what do I do with that and they're more likely to be defensive-ish so i love
2: that and and requesting what you need is a hard thing for a lot of us from experience because it takes vulnerability to do that like hey um i got hurt because of this this you know whatever happened and what i actually need is xyz why am i saying vulnerable because there's a chance that our partner is not maybe capable of meeting that need right away or might say, you know, hey, I need to understand and or, you know, kind of we need to find an agreement around this because this might not work exactly how I thought things would be. And so it does come with a risk. You know, every time we express a need, the question is, will my partner be able to meet that need? Is my partner willing to meet that need? Do we first need to go through the work and and see how we can find an agreement or, Will it take a conversation to understand each other better? Because we are very different and we see things very differently. So um, I agree. It is it is a skill. And it also takes that extra courage to go, can I even express what I need? Be aware of it and then express it. And I know it's far easier to voice a complaint. If you notice whenever a frustration is coming up, notice the complaint and go, what is the need behind? If you can do that more and more and practice that more and more and ask yourself that question, really honestly, the the more chances you'll have at your partner being able to meet that need because you're getting clear guidance, clear directions. And we're talking about games. Give your partner a chance to also win at the game. So often we make it impossible for our partners to win at the game because we're only voicing complaints or having all of these lists of, of requests and expectations. And that's something that I see with clients very often. And I know I've been in the same position as well is that disconnection for many of us, comes because our partner just feels like they can't live up to the expectations, like they're failures, like they're failing at you. They can't make you happy. And I do want to say that that's also how complaints and seeing the negatives first, et cetera, these are all coping mechanisms and defense mechanisms that our brain just has. and These are default modes. And so it does take extra effort and awareness to go, hey, that's not what I'm going to do today. Today, I'm going to do things differently but it's a muscle to train and it's definitely possible, but yeah.
1: And if someone's thinking, I don't want to express what I need, they should just know, or if I express what I need and then they do it, that cheapens it. How do you respond to that?
2: Well, I've definitely been there before, so I definitely relate to that. Um, And whenever that happens, even in, in my relationship, I always have to go, well, what do I prefer to increase my chances of having my need met or to stay in the same exact position and just go through the same spirals and cycles all over again. Me being frustrated, him feeling like a failure, me feeling even more disappointed and even more annoyed and even more bothered and therefore increasing my doubts and my anxiety and my stress. So it's like, what do I prefer? Like, if I look at the balance, which one serves me better? It's like, what do I gain from not expressing it and what do I gain from expressing it what's the cost of not expressing it what's the cost of holding on to that belief
1: I love that that's a great way to think about it what's the cost of that belief what I get from doing it what I get from not that's a really helpful way to think about it one of the ways I started to think about it was maybe if it's something that he doesn't do naturally if I ask him to do it and he does it for me maybe that's a sign of how much he loves me because mm-hmm. it's a natural like thing so i've had to like reframe because I, I relate to that belief too like he should just know if if he loved me he would just know like i i relate to that and that's a really common thought and belief that people have and it's really got to find some mental way to overcome that for yourself so however you overcome that for yourself doesn't matter as long as you can find a way okay so we've gone through a few questions what other questions do you have about what to ask yourself if you're considering ending a relationship
2: if you have differences, just because we were talking about needs and, and, you know, also how to, you mentioned really briefly about, you know, what if you have different needs, um, you mentioned that in a different way, but what came up for me is like, okay, but how do we deal with differences? Um, and one question that I would recommend asking is when we have differences, is there, if there's something my partner does differently than I would do and that bothers me, or if there's a difference in personalities, maybe my partner is, you know, direct, very bold, maybe confident, and I'm just very different, easygoing, um, whatever, or we have different ways of dealing with certain things, I'd first recommend to ask yourself, do or how often do I seek to understand my partner before judging them and judging this difference? Because a lot of time, first of all, it's, there's a lot of clarity that we can gain from understanding why someone does what they do, uh, where their reactions come from, why they choose to respond a certain way. And also there's a lot of wisdom that we can take from our partner being different. I know I've criticized Dennis a lot for the way he deals with certain situations. And actually in hindsight, I'm like, Oh, actually, I think I can learn a lot from him. And I've had a couple who, or one partner said, Oh, his confidence just seems very arrogant at times. And I literally asked her, one of the partners, Do you associate confidence with arrogance? Can you maybe learn? Um, maybe, maybe is confidence something that you could embody more? Because you, you know, maybe that's the insecurity talking. Anyways, can we complement each other in a certain way? Can I learn from that difference? And maybe a third sub question would be, are there differences that maybe we need to accept? Like, am I okay with them being a little bit more direct? Am I okay with them maybe having a different pace in life than me, growing at a different pace? Am I willing to accept that? I think that's a big part of relationships too, is we don't have to be the same. Our differences can tell us a lot about where we have areas of growth, but also are there areas that we're okay to accept? And I think that's a very personal choice that I always tell my clients, I'm not here to tell you that you should stay together. This is always your decision to know, am I willing to accept some of the differences that might might remain? If nothing changes, am I willing to accept X, Y, Z thing? If that's part of their personality, for example.
1: Oh, that's such a good point, because choosing a partner comes with choosing problems, choosing differences. And are you willing to accept those? Or what are the deal breakers? And I think those are kind of important twists off the same question. And I loved how you talked about like, can we find a way to think about how they complement each other? Because so many of the differences, I like to think about differences like puzzle pieces, you know, You've got to turn the puzzle pieces just right to get them to fit together. You can't just like mash them together. And so I liked some of your questions that you were posing because it made me think of how are you, when you ask those questions, how are you adjusting those puzzle pieces to say, okay, maybe the confidence isn't inherently arrogant. Maybe it is like, who knows, but can you adjust the puzzle piece with that partner's puzzle piece where that can be something that complements the relationship overall or complements how they both show up knowing it's just a difference between them.
2: Yeah. I love that. And To your point, that goes to one of the next questions that I was thinking of is exactly to your point is deal breakers. Like, I also want to be very clear about what I'm willing and not willing to tolerate because I believe that in a relationship, we get to set standards. People sometimes see Dennis and I and go, wow, like you have such an amazing relationship. It feels like you are very loving and caring to each other. And and I sometimes go like, yeah, it's because we also have standards. I know exactly what I'm not willing to tolerate. And he's also expressed... What he's not willing to tolerate. There are ways that we just have chosen not to speak to each other. You know, in a certain way, like we don't criticize, we don't insult each other. Criticize is different because sometimes, of course, criticism comes up. But like insulting, name calling—that's something we don't do. But very early on in the relationship, I'm going to give you a very concrete example. And this is not to judge anyone who does this. Um, It's about smoking. Um, I almost started smoking, and. And I'm sharing this because someone asked, like, what is your, what was his deal breaker at the beginning of the relationship? And I had this influence around me, people who started smoking, I was pretty young. And he literally went, you need to choose smoking or me. And I think that's a perfect example of him not willing, not being okay and not being willing to accept if I were a smoker. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a very clear, let's say, deal breaker just like no cheating. We almost kind of went into that territory. There were times I was attracted to someone else, him as well. We kind of spoke about it by the end of the day, but that was also something that was a very clear line for us. Like, would we be okay, literally, if one of us cheated? Would be, could we forgive each other? And we thought hard and long, like, could we? And the answer at the end of the day became no like we're not so that's a deal breaker and mm-hmm. so it's so important to know what you're willing to tolerate or not because sometimes we tolerate things that then we resent our partner for and it's so important to communicate that and go hey this is these are things that just are hard for me to accept and I'm, I think this is a deal breaker for me mm-hmm. and talk about that and understand what what it is for your partner
1: mm-hmm. yeah and I think that's so important to figure out what those are articulate and brought me back to what are the rules of the game what are the rules of the game we're playing because every couple might have different rules and how they play the game. So you need to know what are the rules in this game? Like what are, what, what breaks the game? What makes the game over? Exactly. What's this game over power down? No more. Like you can't play again. No more pass and go. It's done. Yeah. My, my husband, one of his deal breakers for me, like I, known, I should know. If you listen to this podcast long enough, you know that, uh, you know, my yelling was an issue. I should have known better. I was a pretty critical yeller. little contemptuous too um and that was the deal breaker for him if I continued to do those things he wasn't going to marry me um oh those were hard to change took some work you know I wasn't sure if I was actually going to be able to make the change and now it's been we were just talking the other day the last time I had a big yelling mishap was over over four years ago so that's pretty good um but I had took a lot of work and I was not sure if I was kind of like, I, this is the way I am. Can I change this? Turns out you can, it takes takes a fair bit of work, but you can do it. Um, but that was a deal breaker that he put in place for me. It let me know the limits of the game. And when I get really upset, I have to remember, do I want the relationship or do I want to yell? Do I want the relationship or do I want to throw a grenade on it? Sometimes I think about throwing the grenade. I'm like, oh yeah, that'd be great just to unload on him. But the benefit is what I get to temporarily feel good and make him feel bad for, I don't know, 10 seconds to an hour, like depends on how crazy I'm going, I guess. But then what? I destroy something we have spent years building and I'm lonely and I'm without him and probably whatever I wanted, I could talk to him about and we could figure out some sort of something probably. Probably. it's hard and then like I've had deal breakers and one of ours is infidelity as well and uh oh my gosh he he just knows me so well so yesterday we were talking about this colleague of his that got him a gift certificate because they did a business deal together and my husband with this gift certificate took me out for dinner and I I can be you know, a little insecure. Sometimes I recognize I have no reason to be insecure on my husband. My husband is wonderful. He is trustworthy. Um, but I have, you know, some abandonment concerns deep down. So yesterday he says something, I don't remember what, about how he was chatting with the person that gave him the gift certificate. And I said, Oh, I like her, or something like that. And he said, Oh, me too. And then he like expressed overly nice words about her. And right away in my core, I had this like jealousy or like this fear of like, what if this is the person that he is unfaithful with? Like something like that. I didn't say it out loud. I just thought it in my head. And then I thought, okay, Amber, ring yourself in. Like, you, you know, you trust this man. He's never done anything to make you think otherwise he can have business associates. It is totally fine. Everything is fine. And then a second later he goes, but just so you know, she's just my business associate that, um, that I have a good working relationship with, nothing beyond that. And I, I looked at him and I smiled and I said, oh, you know me too well. <laughs> you know, that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, and I thanked him, I said, you know, and thank you for providing me that, that reassurance. But at this point in our relationship, I'm also trying really hard not to voice my concerns because I do trust you and I, I trust that you can have like great working relationships with other people. But it just made me think about how my husband has taken the time to really know me. He has taken the time to really understand my fears, concerns, and deal breakers, and give me reassurance that really sets us up. But like that was an extra effort on his behalf. He didn't have to do that, wasn't required. But uh, it, it came from conversations about deal breakers that he knows me that that well, that I didn't even say a word. And as far as I knew, I was still acting like happy and normal. I was just writing myself in, in my head, but he he caught it and he gave me the reassurance I needed. He's a great, he's a great man.
2: Amazing. Well, that's also a great example of how you processed an initial trigger because triggers will occur. Like we will get activated at times. We will have initial thoughts and truths of thoughts. It's not like we're ever going to necessarily get rid of all of them, but it's more like how am I dealing with those? When I work with clients, it's like, all right, you have your initial reaction but then how do you respond i think what you just did is separate facts from interpretations and not jump to conclusions and go all right let me take a step back and that's one of the hardest things to do because our brain is just so quick at going into worst case scenarios seeing the negatives um generalizing stuff like okay if this happened once it's always going to happen and it's hard to get ourselves out of that initial reaction but it's the most important thing we can do when we feel triggered and so i love how you that example also because it wasn't necessarily always that way and that's that's where i come to the point of patterns we have certain patterns and a question that i'd suggest also asking ourselves is all right like how do i respond when i'm triggered how do i respond when i'm upset how do i respond when i have an intrusive thought how do i respond in conflict like or when i'm anxious because the work that you're going to do to say, okay, how, you know, to respond differently, to respond in a way that is constructive. We're looking at your patterns. If you respond by yelling, just like you said, or you respond by going into spirals, those are patterns. And so it's less about fixing you. It's more about working on your patterns and going, can I interrupt this pattern right here and there, the default mode that I go to, because that comes from past experiences. That's how I've been conditioned. It's been a reaction to something else. And we bring these patterns to the relationship. And I think that is so important to, that's really something I want to kind of magnify a little bit, because we think that if we have a way, let's say if our partner makes us upset because of something, like they make us feel sad or some something we get angry about, we think that, we sometimes think that by changing partners, it'll be better when actually it's, the pattern that we want to be aware of? Like, is this a response that I typically have? And what if I knew that it would be exactly the same in another relationship, maybe at different levels, of course, every partner is different, some trigger us more than others, but the response, the pattern is yours. And I think that's a big aha moment for many of us. And that's certainly been for me as well. It's going, oh, all right, this is actually something I do. And this is something that isn't serving me or the relationship. It's actually kind of not really contributing to our growth. So can I learn to do things a little bit differently? Can I take a step back before reacting? Because I might be with someone else and I'll have a very similar response again because the pattern will repeat itself. So that's a question that I would ask myself is if I knew this pattern would repeat itself, if I look at the way I respond, would I be okay with you know ending this relationship and going into a new one if things... Ended up the same at a certain point, or similar.
1: That's a great question. How do I respond to triggers? Like in another relationship, would I respond the same? And look at your history. Like, mm-hmm. have you responded the same? And if I go through my history, like you said, different levels mm-hmm. of response depending on the partner and what what needs and what the problem was. But largely, with some variation, my patterns have been the same since I was 16 years old you know so it's choosing a partner choosing a set of problems and yes because of how some partners responded to me my reactions were bigger or smaller or, you know whatever but there was a there was a clear pattern in me and when I made some changes in that I also got different responses
2: from my partner
1: well that's a hard one though to look at your patterns
2: To look it at is patterns. It is. And I think a fun thing to do, or let's say fun, but it's, I'm saying fun, but it's actually not easy to do. But like, if I were to give you a challenge, someone listening to this and a challenge that I would, that I sometimes apply to myself is let's see if I respond differently. How does that influence my partner and influence in a way like, how is their response? I have literally tried this and I've mentioned this in other podcast episodes. And maybe on on my stories, but a few months back, I approached Dennis with the same topic, but in just two different ways. The way I started a conversation was just very different. And in one, he responded with defensiveness and in one, he responded with openness. It's like, yes, of course, his response is his response. But I also have my, you know, there's also my responsibility in the way that I start the conversation. If I started with criticism or I started with what's not going well, then, of course, that's going to spiral most of the time. So it is like looking at our patterns and saying, can I do something different today? That's what I teach in in one of my courses, constructive conversations where I go, the very first seconds of a conversation can tell you so much about how the rest goes. For example, if I ask if it's a good time to talk, whether it's a yes or no, I'm already creating safety because I'm creating some space for some someone to say yes no and if it's no when is it a better time so we're on the same page from the start right. instead of going we need to talk so what can i do differently and kind of challenge myself to do something a little bit differently learn how to create safe spaces when i talk learn how to you know bring up topics for example express my needs express my deal breakers like all of that in a different way than what i used to do and see what changes if that changes in any way Um, because again how we show up influences so much
1: absolutely and I I love that like asking hey is now a good time to talk creating that safety and being okay if now isn't and I I get pushback from clients sometimes saying like well I don't want to walk on eggshells or no that's I just don't want to live that way but that's your pattern that's exactly what we're talking about is you show up in these repeated ways that make it more and more unlikely that your partner is going to respond favorably or healthfully or safely or get your needs met. And if you want your needs met, there are little things you can do to increase the chances. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect and they're going to respond great, but increase the chances of getting your need met. But you got to look at those patterns for yourself. So good. All right. What other questions you got? (laughs)
2: Um, what I was thinking of is also since we're talking a bit about conversations is am I having the uncomfortable but necessary conversations or do I sometimes compromise even if I don't feel like it or do I put things under the rug that's what I used to do or do I think that time will, will resolve things I think it's definitely not easy to have the uncomfortable but necessary conversations as I mentioned before but without that we can't really as you said as we were saying before create the rules of our game and play the rules of our game and go this is what we want to create together and so am I afraid to rock the boat that might be a pattern but basically are we having the conversations because instead of kind of trying to reach this picture-perfect relationship or flawless relationship where there are never challenges or never uncertainties. It's more about how am I dealing with the uncertainties? And that's something that I teach people in companies uh, when I coach them, people in relationships when I coach them, Is it's not about trying to reach um, this perfect state of bliss or kind of perfection. Stability is actually created when you can deal with the challenges you can deal with the uncertainties you can have the hard but necessary conversations that's how you build resilience that's how you build the skills conversational skills and that creates let's say say that's what creates stability but also trust and more connection etc you know people have sometimes not everyone experiences this but the honeymoon phase after the honeymoon phase there's usually something called the power struggle phase where we see our differences, where we have conflict, where we're we're having these doubts. And what we tend to forget is that after this power struggle phase, if we can push through that and go, okay, we're having the conversations now, we're looking at how we can reach agreements, we're talking about our needs, we're clear on what we're not willing to tolerate, um, everything we've mentioned up until now, and we can navigate those challenges and hardships in a way that strengthen us, that's what's going to create trust. It's not not having all of this and being the same and not having to have arguments. Dennis and I still argue uh, from time to time, sometimes even every day, but these are arguments that last maybe two minutes now instead of three days. Why? Because we can have the argument, have some conflict in it, have our differences, but then repair. And we know how to do that now. We know how to avoid unnecessary arguments, but those are skills that we've learned in that power struggle phase, when things felt like they were just going to fall apart. But that's actually what creates the confidence and the trust in the relationship. So it's kind of this paradoxical thing. It's like, how can we actually deal with the uncertainties better, rather than try to avoid it or avoid them and avoid the challenges?
1: Correct me if i am wrong it sounds like you said that you were a person who did sweep things under the rug before is that right
2: i i did and how was did a you,
1: how did you overcome
2: that well definitely seeing that that did not work that really created less and less peace of mind obviously and i felt like this big ball of anxiety and stress and just constant worry and just constant fear and constant doubt and By going through, so I've done a lot of personal development work, understood a lot about myself and my patterns. I think that's definitely unblocked a lot of things. And especially kind of putting a mirror in front of me and going, all right, well, don't you want peace of mind, groundedness, confidence instead? Well, for that, what you're actually doing by sweeping things under the rug, you're trying to keep the peace and you're trying to avoid conflict. But actually what you're doing is you're sometimes creating more conflict by trying to avoid the conflict. And first, we need to let go of some beliefs that conflict is bad, arguments are bad, and actually go the hard conversations, but you know the important ones, yes, they might be difficult at first, but they're so necessary, and that's what's going to create more peace at the end of the day. And I believe also seeing examples around me of that, that just didn't work whereas like people sweeping under the rug things under the rug and just creating building up so much resentment that I make, I remember making very clear decisions of like I don't want that type of relationship. So that's going to take work from my side because I have the same pattern and I don't want to end that way end up that way. So I think it's it's partly is letting go of some beliefs, replacing unhelpful beliefs, seeing that by me avoiding conflict sweeping things under the rug. It just made things bigger. So it's like, I'm actually not keeping the peace here. So it's actually just paradoxical and also going, well, I don't want the resentment that XYZ couple has because they sweeped things under the rug. Like that's not what I want. I want a loving, thriving relationship where I really feel authentic in myself, but that took some work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We have a little bit of time left. Is there one more question that you want listener to ask themselves if they're continuing ending their relationship, considering ending their relationship?
2: One question that I guess can guide anyone through, let's say these, even all of the questions, but kind of an overarching question that you can ask yourself is, what can I do about X, Y, Z thing? If I drop the blame, if I drop um, criticism, if I drop all of that, can I actually go, what can I do about it? If if I think my partner makes me feel sad, well, first of all, I feel sad because I made it mean a certain thing, their reaction or et cetera, et cetera. So again, looking at my pattern, but what can I do about it? I think that's one thing. And when you're having a conversation with your partner, I'm going to add a second one is, what can we do better next time? And that's a golden question that we always, always have at the end of a difficult conversation. It really gets us unstuck more often than not. Is all right, how do we want to handle things next time? What can we do better next time? Instead of focusing on the problems, because sometimes we do that. And so first is empowering yourself and going, all right, what needs to happen from my side? And second, if we're discussing this together, and having a difficult conversation, or even having a conversation about improvements, etc. How do we want things to be next time? Can we talk about what we want to see instead of just instead of only what we don't want to see? So it's kind of solution-oriented forward thinking.
1: So today we've asked a lot of questions, and they're not saying if you think about these things or make these changes that you're for sure relationship is going to work, but mm-hmm. maybe you said this when we were off air, maybe it was on air, I don't remember. But these questions are designed to empower you to think about what things can you do to make some changes to adjust to see, is this relationship for me? Is that right?
2: It is right. And I'll add something to that, unless you wanted to. Um, To your point, it's, let's say, when we try to make changes, it'll require us to build habits, whether it's ourselves, maybe you're like, all right, I just listened to this podcast and I'm noticing that yeah, maybe there's something I need to improve on. I need to build that muscle first. It's not going to work out perfectly the first time. Same if I have a conversation with my partner. Things are not going to go perfectly the first time. And so what I always recommend couples to do, and it's also why I do three-month private coaching um, let's say, sessions, because things don't just happen over overnight. What I'd encourage you to do is go, all right, if I'm willing to give this another shot, give this a try give my relationship a chance, and I know my partner is in as well, can I give myself one, two, three months to really practice whatever I'm doing, practicing and maybe journaling around these questions, asking myself more self-reflective questions, being aware of my patterns, expressing my needs more often, being very mindful of how I have these conversations, give myself up to three months, let's say, and really be consistent with that before making a decision. Because again, habits take time, but also practice to implement. And muscles, it's, it's like you go to the gym, right? You can't just go once and have biceps or have these strong muscles. You need to go on a consistent basis, just the same. Treat that just the same. Give yourself a timeline. If you need to discuss with your partner and go, let's give ourselves three, six months, a year, and then we can decide. And maybe we can even check in along the way. That'll increase our chances of making adjustments of talking about things before they blow up, before things accumulate. So yeah, that, that thought just came up, as you mentioned, those last words.
1: I think it's super important. Give yourself some time. So if people love this, if they're liking what you have to say, where can they follow you, find you, learn more about you?
2: So I am mostly active on Instagram at Love, or on my website, www.toolboxforlove.com. And that's where I share both free content and also resources like masterclasses, private coaching. And there's a list of other podcast episodes that I've done too. So it is a, hopefully a complete toolbox for your relationship and more to come.
1: Fantastic. Well, we'll link those to the show notes. So thank you so much for being on today and presenting these questions, questions to ask yourself for considering ending and really providing people with little things they can do to figure out where they at. And all these things will provide such useful data about where are you at in your relationships. This is fantastic. Thank you so much for your insight, sharing your story. It was so appreciated.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Relationship Psych, the podcast put on by Ember Relationship Psychology. If you're looking for more free relationship help or advice that comes straight from the couples therapy room, check out the free resources and the blog at www.emberrelationshippsychology.com.